All right, welcome back to Unleashed, the most legit Celtics podcast in the game, episode number 92 today. I feel like I've said it since we hit the 90th episode, so three episodes in a row now, but we are creeping in on that 100th episode, Um, and I keep teasing a live show for the 100th episode, which if you remember, you know, some of the first shows we did, you know, I mixed up a, a few live shows a week, and you guys loved them, so... If you think that that live show for the 100th episode, which we kind of got away from, is something that we should get back into, um, please let me know on Twitter at FGuyBoston because I'd be happy to do it. I do want to make the 100th episode somewhat special, um, and I'm not exactly sure how. You know, I love the community. We've built the Unleashed Army and sort of involving you listeners in the show as much as possible. So that's what I'm doing here. So if you have any ideas to make it special... Obviously, make it feasible and, you know, something that I can actually pull off, but please just let me know. But what are we talking about on episode number 92 today? Because we can't get ahead of ourselves here. We got to go one episode at a time, and we do have episode number 92. Um, Pretty simply, we're kind of going over what's happened uh, recently with Nesson saying that Celtics got worse. I'm kind of going to break down how much Gordon Hayward actually meant to this team, and uh, we'll bounce around between there because, you know, I, I... I clearly now somewhat, if you've been following me on Twitter and following the shots I've been firing, I got some sort of beef with Nesson and they don't like it, I guess. So um, we'll get into that. But before we do that, I wanted to talk about the Guy Boston Sports Store. So over on GuyBostonSports.com slash store, we are running an Unleashed Army promo specifically for the Unleashed. You're not going to see this promo code, you know, publicized anywhere. It has to be only heard through these airwaves, which I'm super excited about. So the promo code is going to be Unleashed20 and it's going to take 20% off your order on guybossonsports.com slash store. Unleash 20 is the promo code. If you don't know how to spell Unleashed, just look at the podcast artwork or cover art that you're listening to right now. There's a spelling for you. But um, all jokes aside, this is a really good deal. We have some $9.99 t-shirts on the site and some $14.99 t-shirts. I don't know if they'll still be available or if they'll be sold out by the time you hear this and go over there and use the promo code. But either way, I mean, you could be looking at buying your cheapest t-shirt of your entire life. Like $9.99 with 20% taken off of that. Like, yikes, that's cheap. So head over to guybossonsports.com slash store and use the promo code UNLEASHED20. One caveat here, it's only going to be available for seven days. So until December 14th, and then this promo is gone. So use that secret code. Use the Unleashed Army code. It's Unleashed20 for this week only. Now let's get into episode number 92. All right, so like I kind of teased at the beginning of this episode, we talked about um, Nesson. So when I say it's a beef, it's obviously not a beef. Um, I do know there's enough interaction that I guarantee you they saw it on their end, but obviously they're not going to do anything. But one thing I will say, and it was brought up a couple times in the tweet, and I'm going to give all the background here, so stay tuned. But, um, you know, we got to take, we got to keep in mind, I guess I should say, that Nesson and basketball coverage, like talk about a big fat and if you can't see, you know, because you're just listening to this, I did the fart noise and then pointed my thumb down. Like, nothing, Nesson stinks when it comes to basketball. Stick to hockey, stick to baseball, whatever. But basketball, let's, let's you know, let's not turn to Nesson for our basketball updates or our basketball entertainment. No, 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 no. But anyways, so, you know, what was it? Friday morning, I saw a tweet from Nesson, and it was early in the morning, and it said... And it was and it was an article that they had published and they were tweeting it out. And I'm going to get into some details about, you know, author versus tweet, etc. But the tweet said, let's call it like it is. The Celtics got worse this offseason. And then it said that they're not a legitimate title contender. But I had already stopped dead in my tracks when I said, 
when I read the Celtics got worse this offseason. Like, it just irked me. I don't know why. I don't know if that was the point. They were kind of clickbaiting and triggering. Well, guess what? It worked. But it didn't work in the long run because then I said, you know what? I'm going to take this article that they published and I'm going to body bag it in my own blog. And I did that. So I read their article. And before I even get into any of this, I kind of want to make it clear that their author, I think his name was Logan. I think they left him out to dry with that tweet. Logan's article, and it was a decent article, um, pretty much was saying that the Celtics, you know, aren't a title contender this year. He even said yet in the article, meaning that there is bits of Logan's mind that potentially thinks the Celtics will be contender soon, just not yet. And then he also mentions the rest of the East and other competitors um, getting better. None of that mentioned in the tweet. All that tweet pretty much said was, Logan says that the Celtics got worse this offseason. And the tweet even said, let's call it like it is. Sort of like a, you know, I don't know, like a snide remark there. So I said, okay, let me take to my site, GuyBostonSports.com. If you know me, you probably know the website. Doing terrifically right now. Like, I I love what we're doing on the site. I said, okay, what am I going to title this? Their tweet was, let's call it like it is. The Celtics got worse this offseason. So I said, okay, let's call it like it is. This is my title. Let's call it like it is. The Celtics definitely did not get worse this offseason. Hmm, I wonder who that was about. And if there's any confusion, I did take a screenshot of when I quote tweeted the tweet and said, whoever wrote this article started drinking way too early this morning. And pretty much what I went through in this article, and these points are terrific points if I do say so myself. Like, I didn't just go complete Celtics bias and say, no, 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 the Celtics are so good this year. No, no, no. I kept my calm, cool composure that I have, and I pretty much broke down the points that Um, The author Logan had made and pretty much just talked about what the Celtics needed versus what they got so on and so forth and if you know if if I do say so myself I kind of absolutely debunked the idea that they got worse this offseason why is that because I made sure to pick my argument like I said Logan's article was talking about the legitimacy of their you know contendership if that's a word and whether or not the East got better. Both, you know, you can make the argument for. While I don't agree with necessarily that, I'm not going to sit here and and defend that. What I'm arguing right now is that the Celtics did not get worse, meaning they could have just stayed exactly at the same level, which that might be your opinion, who cares, but they definitely did not sink below where they were last year, and I list why, and that's what I'm going to give you right now. So, you know, overall, what was the problem of last year's team? One glaring problem that we talked about all season long, Daniel Tice did his best to mitigate it and, you know, to fill the void that they had, but the Celtics and the big man issue certainly came back to bite them. One million percent. I praise Daniel Tice, the unsung hero of the season, so on and so forth. Doesn't matter. Lo and behold, it actually did come back to bite them. And, you know, I've said it on the show before, but I think it's one of my better points is that Daniel Tice is a phenomenal big man if you have to play him one night and then you know, you're getting out of town the next day or so. But when you put Daniel Tice as your big man in a playoff series and that team gets to game plan, uh, you know, centering against going against him for, you know, five, six, seven games in a row against the same team, all of a sudden you start to see the flaws in Daniel Tice's game and, uh, you know, how many minutes he was forced to play and whatnot. And then you see products of, I guess... Just the environment, like these teams are able to game plan against Daniel Tice, and he had a really, really bad playoff run because of that, I think. So Daniel Tice is a great throw the kitchen sink at the other team if you're playing a regular season game because they don't really know what to expect. He's grinding, he's playing tough, you know, he's playing physical, um, you know, he's, he's clearly, clearly, clearly got that motor in him. So that's great, you know, it works for the Celtics when you're playing a team once and then, you know, they're leaving and you're not going to play them for a month or so. 
In the playoffs, you know, you play Daniel Tice, you step back, and all of a sudden you say, okay, we're playing them in two nights, or we're playing them tomorrow. How can we beat this guy? And then I start, I think you start to see flaws come out. And this is by no means to slight Daniel Tice. Like, I hope Daniel Tice even realized he was almost given an unbelievably unachievable task. Like, think about the big man he had to play in the playoffs, you know, and then it all got capped off by Bam Adebayo. So Daniel Tice did everything that he could last season, and it just wasn't enough. And I don't think it was going to be enough this year if they kept with that game plan. What did they do? They needed a big man, clearly. They went on and got Tristan Thompson, who immediately comes into this team and becomes the best big man on the team. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think, you know, in a couple of day or a couple of days ago, we heard that he's dealing with some hamstring injury. I'm not worried about it yet. Hamstrings suck, but, you know, they really suck in, like, football, and um, I, I, obviously they suck in basketball, too, but I feel like because it's football season, people see hamstring injury and immediately assume it's way worse than it is just because it's football season. Basketball players, like, we've seen it time and time again. Ham, hamstring injuries suck no matter who you are. They do hinder you, but they're not as lingering as they could be, um, you know, in, in football. And why is that? I guess maybe just the the route running, especially, or or being a defensive back, whatnot. This is a basketball podcast. We're going to stick to basketball. But anyway, so they went out and got Tristan Thompson. They filled that big man void a million percent in my mind. They got a guy that is immediately the best big man on the team, and now they can go back to Daniel Tice as a bench player. They can throw in Grant Williams. Robert Williams is still on the team. Like, their big man, even though they lost Cantor and lost Vincent Poirier, who, you know, I've shed multiple tears about, I think their big man game got a lot better because now you're taking a guy like Daniel Tice and putting him on the bench, where I love Daniel Tice, but I don't think the Celtics are a championship team if Daniel Tice is their center. I said it. Tristan Thompson, on the other hand, uh, duh, he has done it. You know, multiple, multiple um, finals experiences and games and whatnot. Tristan Thompson's proven that he can do it, and he's immediately the best big man on the team. So all of a sudden, one void, one void filled. Good offseason so far. Then what was another issue the Celtics had? Well, another issue the Celtics had was that they were turning to Brad Wanamaker to run the second unit. Brad Wanamaker. Now, for some godforsaken reason... When I talk about Brad Wanamaker, all the Brad Wanamaker defenders come out of nowhere and act like he's really good. And I constantly hear, well, (laughs) he's the best foul shooter in the league or he's got really strong hands, dude. Take all that and get the you-know-what out the building. I don't want a point guard that's the best foul shooter in the league. Whoop-de-doo. I don't even want you getting to the line, Brad Wanamaker. And I don't care about your strong hands. Like, your strong hands, what, is that the reason you're turning it over so often? So Brad Wanamaker out the door and bringing in Jeff Teague all of a sudden is an amazing upgrade in my mind, and it should be in your mind too. Now, the one, I guess, I don't know if disclaimer is the right word here, that uh, right here uh, word, right? I can't speak. The, The right disclaimer, I'm trying to say, is that, you know, I guess you can have, you know, you got two legs to stand on if you're going to say, well, Kemba Walker's injured, so now Jeff Teague has to start, and we're kind of back to square one with that backup point guard role. I can give you a little bit of credence there, and I think that's a just statement, but I wouldn't judge the Danny Ainge offseason acquisition and, you know, giving the credence to that off of whether or not Kemba Walker's healthy or not. Like, they had the issue that they needed to fill, and Danny Ainge went out and got Jeff Teague to fill that void and to fix that issue. And then we find out Kemba Walker, you know, for weeks is going to be sidelined. Like, I don't think all of a sudden that diminishes what Danny Ainge had done by getting Jeff Teague. I hope that makes sense. So I'm going to look at it right now in parallel backup point guard to backup point guard. You're obviously getting an upgrade uh, when it comes to Jeff Teague. And people saying Jeff Teague's washed or done, no one, no one is claiming you're getting the Jeff Teague of a couple of years back. 
but you're getting a Jeff Teague that is just better than Brad Wanamaker for what this team needs. He's a better scorer. I don't care if he's a worse shooter. He's a better scorer, better all-around point guard, and um, I think that he's just got the the veteran leadership and veteran experience that this backup unit would need. So, yeah, maybe it's my hate for Brad Stinky Maker, but it's also, I think, the, a valid argument to say that, you know, they had the issue of, of, the, of the backup point guard and they fix it. Again, the one caveat, the one disclaimer, is that Kemba Walker's injured and all of a sudden it's kind of wonky whether or not you want to make that argument. But I'm making it. I don't care. The next thing I wanted to say was that um, the Celtics needed a shooter. They did. They needed a shooter 1 million percent. They just had no one on the team. Like, that was a sharpshooter, I guess we can call it. Logan, the author of this article, mentions, you know, well, you can't bake on Aaron Nesmith to be the shooting fix. And I say, you know what, that's fair that you can't bank on it. The one issue I have is that in the Nesson article, he decides to say, if anything, the Celtics know you can't bake on sharpshooters. You got R.J. Hunter, you know, um, James Young, so on and so forth. It's like, dude, those are incredibly convenient names to pull out and say, college shooters don't work. Like, yeah, they're the Celtics experience, so you have your point there. But to say that, you know, more often than not, shooters in college don't work out in the NBA because R.J. Hunter and because James Young, pfft, Give me a break. How about we look at the other end of the spectrum? You have Steph Curry's, Buddy Heels, other names that have been sharpshooters in college and then transitioned incredibly well into the NBA. And then lo and behold, I think Aaron Nesmith's NBA comp is hopefully Buddy Heald. Like, I see a lot of similarities in their game. So I don't give the the credence to, you know, the author of the article saying, well, you can't bank on a shooter in college, then why'd you draft him? Why would any executive ever draft a college player, whether it's shooting, dunking, dribbling, passing? Why would an NBA player ever, or a college player, excuse me, be drafted if, well, you can't bank on what he did in college? Like, no, no, no. Like, that's his skill. That's why you drafted him, and you're hoping for the payoff. So they went out and addressed a need. It's better than having a problem going into the draft and not addressing that problem at all. Whether or not it works out is, you know, hearsay. But you needed a shooter. You went in and drafted the 14th pick and got a shooter. That's also a win for Danny Ainge, in my mind, and doing the right thing by his team. And then sort of the last thing, I guess, um, is just veteran and, I guess, playoff experience and, um, yeah, just just experience overall. They bring in Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson, who, you know, Jeff Teague, former also, Tristan Thompson, championship. Like, these guys have experience, and all of a sudden, those guys bring so much experience to the team, and... What's funny is that, you know, we have this, oh, the Celtics need experience, Celtics need experience, but now you have, like, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, like, these guys have their own experience, which is pretty crazy. Like, these guys have their actual playoff experience that, you know, just even last year, people are like, oh, they need experience. It's like, these guys have been to um, Eastern Conference Finals on Eastern Conference Finals and playoff games on playoff games. Like, for some weird reason, people, especially Celtics haters, like to forget that, yeah, they don't have the outside experience, I guess, but, you know, even though they're young, they have the experience, and that's a fact. Um, but, so those are kind of like the the voids that the Celtics needed, and then they went out and fixed it. I can't even think of another, like, huge void other than, yeah, obviously you'd love to get more and more bench players that are viable, but their bench did get better, I think, by adding Daniel Tice now to the bench because they got Tristan Thompson, and then Jeff Teague, and then also Marcus Smart. Um, who knows if he's going to play on the bench and, like, what their rotation is going to look like, but I just think they did add a couple valuable pieces that, yes, the names don't necessarily translate to bench players. Like, Daniel Tice, you don't think about that, but I think it does make the bench a lot better. Um, so those are voids that they fix. And then I wanted to go over just sort of like, well, they lost and they gained. So they gained, you know, Jeff Teague, Tristan Thompson, Nesmith, Pritchard. We'll, we'll stop it there. And they lost Vincent Poirier, Brad Wanamaker, and Cantor. Now, I'm going to say another name, but I want to talk about those first three. 
Vincent Poirier, Brad Wanamaker, and Inez Cantor were nothing. Nothing. I love Vinny P. I thought he was going to be good. Cantor, I really think, could have been good if they used him correctly. I just don't think they ever let him get in a rhythm. Whatever, defense, whatever. He's gone. We don't need to talk about it. But those guys aren't going to hurt the team by not being here anymore. Not even close. Those guys were, you know, some nights didn't even play. The one name that they lost that actually sort of, I guess, hurts them or is a bad thing is that Gordon Hayward walked. So they lost 17 points and, you know, really, really good, like 50% shooting from Gordon Hayward leaving. Now, I want to say this. I'm not trying to shit on Gordon Hayward. I'm not trying to say, oh, he was always injured. He's not worth the money. He stunk. What I'm trying to say is that if you were to walk up to me on the street and say, man, the Celtics lost their fourth option and forget stats, forget names, anything like that, I would say that's too bad, not that big of a deal. They didn't lose the best player. They didn't lose any of their like one through three. And you can even make the argument for Marcus Smart now, like one through four best players. They lost their their fourth and some nights fifth option and some nights like a millionth option because he wasn't playing. So I don't think anyone should ever, you know, get their panties in a bunch because you lost your fourth option on a team. Now, it was Gordon Hayward, huge, probably the best fourth option of all time. 17 points is a fourth option, and like I said, sometimes fifth option is absolutely absurd. Like, maybe the best fourth option to ever play. But he just didn't fit on this team. Like, this team doesn't need a fourth option to average 17 points. Is it nice? Yeah, but are you telling me that Tatum, Brown, even Smart getting better offensively, then you have Kemba meshing well with this team, and then you have, you know, um, Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson added to the mix? You're telling me that all of a sudden Gordon Hayward's production doesn't sort of get dispersed into whether or not, you know, you're a veteran like Kemba growing with this team, or you're Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, or Kem- uh, Marcus Smart all getting better, and maybe, you know, adding on a couple points per game? That type of thing. And then obviously Tristan Thompson and Teague established NBA players coming in and sort of carrying some of the bulk. Like you can mitigate that loss of production from Gordon Hayward. If you don't isolate it to just him saying he's a fourth option averaging 17 points a game, that's amazing. If you obviously look at it and say, okay, well, this, you know, one through five, they were averaging this, one through eight, all of a sudden they were averaging this. When you start to see the sort of one through, I guess, eight, one through 10, they were averaging this. You're going to notice how all of a sudden those 17 points can get dispersed pretty, pretty damn easily. So the Gordon Hayward loss isn't as big of a deal as I think it's made out to be. And I also think, you know, it doesn't hurt or doesn't help that um, there's so much about, you know, we're going to get an amazing player in a sign and trade and, and all of that. And all of a sudden now, um, Danny Ainge looks like he messed up, whereas it was Gordon Hayward's decision all along. And the fact that he even got the sign and trade for the player exception is good enough for me. But I just don't think that the whole Hayward's gone, like that's a huge loss, is valid. Like I don't. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to be good in Charlotte. I just don't think he really fit here. And I don't think he was being optimized well here. Um, and, you know, he's the fourth option, like the fourth option. And one thing I do want to say. And like I said, I'm not sliding Hayward. You guys know I've defended him to the freaking existence. I don't even know if that's a saying. But Gordon Hayward, think about his, like, time here. He came here thinking he was going to be the star here with Isaiah. So, like, the 1A, 1B, maybe the clear-cut one. Who knows? Then all of a sudden, they trade Isaiah. They get Kyrie. Now, okay, he's the second fiddle. But Kyrie, that's okay. Kyrie and Hayward, it's about to be crazy, G. Yeah, right. All of a sudden, Hayward snaps his ankle too. Kyrie turns into an absolute fraud. And then Gordon Hayward, you know, is, is on the sideline watching Tatum and Brown excel. And then all of a sudden, he comes back and, and okay, well, let's see what we got here. Kyrie's um, gone, so on and so forth. Let's see what we got. They signed Kemba. All of a sudden, he's like, I'm the fourth option. In just a matter of a few years, I was supposed to be the guy here with my former college coach, loved by Boston. And all of a sudden, I'm an afterthought of this team. Like, that's crazy. 
but it works both ways for fans and for him. Like, yeah, I don't blame him for leaving. And also fans need to realize, like, Gordon Hayward was a name here. They don't need him. as as, And I'm a huge Gordon Hayward fan. As much as it sucks to say, they didn't need a guy averaging 17 points as their fourth option. Like I said, if you look at a one through four, that looks amazing about the points per game that they're one through four are averaging. But if you all of a a sudden just disperse it to what are they going to now average one through 10, I think that that gets covered pretty easily. So I did just want to note how wild Gordon Hayward's time here was. Um, But... Yeah, so that's that's kind of like my way of of saying the Celtics definitely didn't get worse. Like a fact in my mind is that they did not get worse. I'm not arguing did they get better. I'm not arguing are they going to win the championship. I'm not even saying all the other teams in the East got better without you know the Celtics doing that. I just think that they did not get worse, and I think that that's a fact in my mind. And I want to make that clear too. I made it clear in my blog, but I want to make it clear that. I almost was shitting more on Nesson than the author of the article. And for people saying that I was like big timing the dude that wrote it because I said I don't know who he is, that's uh, it's wild to me. So my second sentence, the, the article starts with, all right, so Nesson tweeted this article out and published it this morning. It was a piece written by Logan Mullen. That's my sent- second sentence, piece written by Logan Mullen. Third ten- sentence is I've never heard of him. The fact that people would stop three sentences in and tweet me or message me being like, oh, what are you, taking a power trip just because you have more followers than him? You're going to say you don't know him? The next sentence is, he's probably never heard of me. All of a sudden, I'm back down to earth if you just read one more sentence. And I wasn't saying it to big time or to say he wasn't credible. I'm saying it because I've never heard of him. That's a fact. Like, if I haven't heard of someone, I just will say I haven't heard of them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not slighting his credibility or his talent or anything. And I'm certainly not saying I'm the gatekeeper of whether or not you're a credible Celtics writer or not. But it's just funny to me that people would stop three sentences and be like, oh, you're saying you've never heard of him? You're big timing him? Get off your high horse. The next sentence is, he's probably never heard of me. Like, all of a sudden, I'm body bagging myself. But um, whatever. Um, that's neither here nor there. Um, but also, yeah, so so pretty much that, that whole article was... Um, Calling out Nesson more than him, I did want to say, you know, and this is, I guess, targeted at, you know, the writer or any of you guys thinking this. It's a great line that I have in the blog. I said, if someone is really afraid of the rest of the Eastern Conference and the moves that were made to make them better, well, you probably still sleep with a nightlight. That's how I feel. I don't think that the Celtics are going in are in trouble, especially what Logan suggested in the article. He said the Celtics could be a seven seed. Get the hell out of here. Go find the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. Stick to Bruins, because I know he said it in his bio. But um, all in all, I, I don't even know if he knows that I kind of started the train. Um, like, I, I saw uh, <laughs> people going at him, and he was taking it like a champ. But, um, I mean, it was a good article, just entirely wrong in my eyes. And uh, I think Nesson kind of did him dirty with their tweet of pretty much taking one piece of the article that he sort of had at the beginning and saying that it was a fact. So uh, I'm glad I took the shot. I think that... Um, I, I would imagine, just based on page views, that ours outpaced theirs. Um, you know, no no big deal, but, you know, it was a big one for the site. But, um, yeah, so so screw Nesson. Logan took it like a champ. Bad article, bad take, but he's a Bruins guy. Not a big deal. Um, but, yeah, and, and one thing I'll say is, holy crap, when I tweeted it, people were coming from my neck saying that, you know, the articles are right. They did get worse. That's just someone that hasn't watched the Celtics, hasn't paid attention. One guy literally tech. Oh my God, he he messaged. No, he just replied, and I think he's the guy that I got in a little back and forth with. If I can find it here, you know, live on the show. But you know, he said, <laughs> I don't know why this set him off. It's kind of wild. So I tweeted it out, and he said, he said, um, 
well, the Celtics needed a big man and they didn't get one. All I did, guys, all I did was quote tweet him and say, um, what did you, did you fall asleep this offseason? Like, did you sleep through the offseason? Last time I checked, the Celtics got a big man. The guy went on a tirade. He was so pissed. I literally said the Celtics didn't get a big man. You missed the offseason. And then he started responding to me and using all types of profanity, which you know I never do. Um, but and, and it clearly he was on the wrong side of the bed. And then all of a sudden he started subtweeting me. And I said, you know what? I haven't gotten in the mud a while. You know, and when I say the mud, I mean, this guy had like, I think eight followers. So yeah, that's mud to me. I was in there and I was like, screw it. I'm going to body bag him. And I was like, Hey, at least at me, buddy, like blah, blah, blah. He said, fans are the reason this team stinks. And I was like, last time I checked my tweets don't impact wins or losses, but Hey, it's up to you. So, um, I don't even know his, I, I would put him on blast via his handle, but you know what? Good for him for uh, for bowing out and saying sorry because I'm not doing that. But anyways, uh, that is the episode. Um, you know, I think I think it's pretty clear where I stand with the Celtics team. I'm pretty confident in them. Um, even though I said I'm not making the argument that they did get better or that they're a contender, I think it's pretty obvious that I feel like they can be and they will be. Um, so, yeah. But anyways, guys, we'll close out the show. As always, thank you so much for the support. 92 episodes in is absurd to me um absurd and like the the download numbers I don't think I've ever had a project like this where every single episode is almost breaking and it's not like every episode I guess I shouldn't mislead you I'm pretty transparent but like you know every whatever x episode is all of a sudden breaking download numbers and breaking listen to numbers it's crazy to me it's like I've never had a project that's so just just constantly grown and it's because of the listeners like um, I tweeted out the the Spotify year in review. We started this podcast in 2019, obviously. So this is just based on 2020. And keep in mind, this is like this. <laughs> this is uh this is 2020, a year where basketball stopped, a year where the world stopped, everything. Like people probably weren't consuming as much content, so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, we look at some of our numbers here, and I'm pulling them up. We look at some of the numbers, and we grew. So much. So in terms of followers, and this is all via Spotify for podcasters, followers, we grew 272% on Spotify in terms of followers, up 65% in listeners, hours listened 14, and then streams up 10%. Like that's, that to me, I'm sure there's podcasts out there that grew even more. But you know, in the second full year of the podcast, it was just crazy for me to see that type of thing. So thank you to you guys. And again, that Unleash 20 promo code is almost a, um, you know, a thank you to you guys. Like, the site's not going to make money off some of these, especially those really cheap products that are uh, 20% off. Like, we're not making money on that. This is a one-week thank you to you guys, so go pick up some Celtics merch ahead of the season. Pick up the Teddy Celtics selection if, uh, collection if there's any left. But, um, yeah, thank you guys. Thank you to the Unleashed Army, and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Catch you in the next one.